into the Word of God this morning, and I'm going to go back to the chapter that Ian has just read those verses from in Luke 22. And I'm going to read from verse 7 to the end of verse 23. Luke 22, verse 7 to the end of verse 23. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had, had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me at the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it would be who was going to do this. I want to reread just verse 20. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. I want to reread verse 20 again, but this time from a different translation. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And it says in that translation, After supper he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you I wonder how often we can become so familiar with scripture that we often read it but very quickly move on and fail to stop and consider what that scripture we've just read 
is actually saying. Perhaps we feel that as we've read it, we know it well enough and there's nothing more to discover and so we pass over it and move on to something else. And the same could be said concerning certain things that we do as believers. My example being from what the verses that I've read this morning are all about. The Lord's Supper, Communion. We perhaps take it so often, and it's right that we do. It concerns me that many churches very frequently now have communion. I remember being in discussion with a group of church leaders at one time discussing the Lord's Supper and the frequency of how often we should take it. And I was appalled at the amount of ministers that felt that it wasn't something essential or important that needs to be done on a regular basis. But, but I believe it is. It's something that should be done, as we do, week on week, on a regular basis. And so it saddens me that it is something which is being left out of church services. And I've been to church services where, you know, the, the service is taking place, and in the middle of the service, the, the, the leader has said, if anybody wants to take communion this morning, well, go to one of the four corners. Take communion, and then come back. It's something we should do together. Remember, I might have said that when we were in Sydney just in the last couple of months ago, when it came to taking the communion in the morning service, that, uh, you know, that the leader just said, oh, we'll take communion now. We hadn't got these, they, they were using these uh, same things that we're using. We hadn't been given anything. I saw other people getting up to go to get them. And so I thought, well, I'll go and get them. By the time I got back to my seat, communion was over. Nothing was done. Every individual just opened and took it where they were. There was nothing at all about shared communion. Perhaps we become too familiar with things. And as a result, we take what we do for granted. But regarding, going back to a portion of Scripture, regarding a portion of Scripture, I believe that every time we open God's Word, Every time that we come to a particular verse, we can learn something fresh every time that we stop to consider it. And likewise, every time we share in communion with each other, its significance, its importance should encourage us further in our faith. You can go to visit a place, maybe a city for the first time, and you spend some time in that city wandering around and looking at everything. And once you've made that first visit, you can fall into the trap of thinking, well, I've been here, I've seen all that there is to see. But when you return a second time, or you return a third time, you soon discover that you missed out so much on the first visit, there is far more to discover in that city or in that town. I remember when I first went to Budapest in January uh, 2010. On my first visit there, I went around so much exploring the city, and I thought that I'd seen all that it had to offer. But then I went a second time, and then a third time, and each time I explored, I discovered so much more. And I've been to Budapest 17 times. 
But after visiting Budapest 17 times, I can stand here this morning to say that even though I could almost become a tour guide there, there is still so much more that I've yet discovered and to learn about. And that's how it should be when we open the Word of God. We don't just open it up to look at what we might have already discovered. We open it up to discover more, to plumb the depths of God's Word. And I find in myself that it's amazing how many times that I may feel that I've exhausted a verse, but when I turn to it again, I see something. I discover something more. And why? Because I believe that God's Word is like a treasure box. And as a treasure box, every time we open it up, we keep digging in, we keep finding more. And the more we find, the more it delights us. Or I hope it does. And I trust that each one of us, as we open up the Word of God, I trust every one of us does open up the Word of God. I trust we do open up the Word of God. But as we do, and we dig in, the Word of God delights us, never bores us. We never shut it and think, I know enough. But we want to dig deeper to discover more. And I'm returning to my text this morning in Luke chapter 22 and verse 20. You know as, that I use as my everyday Bible the English Standard Version, but in my study and meditation and everything else I use other translations alongside it in preparation for ministry, devotions, etc. And it's a good thing to look at other versions or translations. And I use a number. I could list, and I've got a list here. I use the King James Version. I use the New King James Version. I use the New International Version. I use the Christian Standard Bible. I use the New American Standard Bible. The New English Translation. And the Amplified as just an example. But it was when I turned to the New Living Translation and reread the verses I've read from Luke 22. That verse 20 caught my attention. And so let's just listen to the three, the verse again in three translations. The NLT. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So in the New Living Translation, it's 36 words. The English Standard Version, it's 24 words. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The NIV, New International Version, it's 26 words. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup, is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. See what caught my attention by going to a different translation was the words in the New Living Translation that says an agreement confirmed with my blood. And I loved that phrase as I read it. 
an agreement confirmed with my blood. Now if we go to 1 Corinthians 11 and verses 23 to 26 with what we would call the communion formula that is given to us by the Apostle Paul, again you would find that this phrase, an agreement confirmed with my blood, is also missed out in the English Standard Version and the NIV, but it's included in the New Living Translation. So, my first thoughts are this, what's happened here? What's happened here? Have the English Standard Version and the NIV translators taken from Scripture and the New Live or the New Living Translators added to Scripture? Well, the answer to both those questions is no. The one hasn't added and the other hasn't taken away. What is simply happening is this. The N. LT, the New Living Translation, with the phrase, an agreement confirmed with my blood, is actually clarifying to its readers the new covenant in his blood and what it has done. And so in the New Living Translation, it is a clarifying statement. The blood has brought about an agreement that has been made firstly between God the Father and the Son, and then secondly between God and man. For by the blood or through the blood we will be forgiven. The Amplified Version uh, uses the phrase ratified by the blood. So on reading the New Living Translation and the phrase, an agreement confirmed with my blood, I decided to dig deeper into the treasure box of the Word of God to discover or even to rediscover the wonder of the power of the precious blood of Jesus. For the agreement has been made. It's been made at Calvary. And so, as I share this morning, and I'm going to share again the next time I'm on, on a Sunday morning, we're going to look at some markers to define what this phrase means to us. An agreement confirmed with my blood. So this morning we're going to look at the word agreement. What is an agreement? Well, the easy answer is this, an agreement is an agreement. That's the easiest way. An agreement is an agreement. But that, that it, what an agreement really means that two sides to decide to agree terms about something. But there is something very powerful about this agreement that we're talking about in the Word of God this morning. For it's not a gentleman's shake of the hand agreement. You know, you've seen all of that. We agree by the shaking of a hand. And it is not the scribble of some ink on a piece of paper agreement. It is an agreement that has been signed by blood. When you get insurance or when you buy a house or a car or something else, a document is always produced and the document has the terms and the conditions and by signing the document, you the purchaser 
and the seller of whatever you are purchasing enter into an agreement with one another. What is mine perhaps as a seller legally becomes yours as the purchaser the moment the signatures are signed in the boxes. That's the agreement. And if it is an insurance document, once the document has been signed, what has been agreed is this, that if something happens to your possessions, then the insurer has agreed. It's an agreement that he will put it right on your behalf and at his expense. And so an agreement is supposed to be kept. Neither side is supposed to default on any of the terms and conditions. Unfortunately today, we can sign so many agreements, but they're hardly worth the paper that they're signed on and written on. Because today we see in society around us that agreements can be so easily broken. Think of the marriage commitment. It's an agreement between a man and a woman. But so easily that agreement is broken. I remember when our children were growing up, you know, we went to a certain store, no names mentioned, and we brought them some certain electrical items. You'll probably begin to gather the name of the store. And this store has a policy, had a policy, has a policy of trying to push to get you to buy an insurance policy. And it's an agreement between you. And so on this occasion, I don't know why, somebody took the better of us. We decided to take the uh, a policy out, which was a policy that if the children broke or lost or whatever, whatever it was that we were purchasing them, if we could go with proof, it would automatically be replaced with a new one. New for old. And the items actually were iPods. You remember the, the fad that one time you had to have an iPod before the iPhone became familiar. Well, the first one broke. I think they dropped it and smashed the screen. So, looked at the insurance. Yes, it's covered. We took it in. No problem. Straight like that, they took it off us. A brand new one. But then the next one's broke. So when we go again. But this time there was a problem. We had signed an agreement. On one occasion the agreement had been fulfilled, but this time the store told us, ah, we don't do that anymore. I said, pardon? Use the document. Your terms and conditions. I've signed it. Somebody signed it on your behalf. It's an agreement. You can't break it. Oh yes, we can. I said, no, you can't. Oh yes, we can. Because we've changed the terms and conditions. Hang on, you didn't tell me that. This is what I signed for. And a little bit of a dispute went on. And in the end they said, we've changed the terms and conditions that if something breaks, we no longer deal with it. You've got to take it up with the manufacturer. And so we got nowhere. See, the agreement was broken. But when we come to the agreement that is found in our text. Let me assure you this morning, it is guaranteed. It is guaranteed, not by a signature signed in a box that is marked with an X, but it is guaranteed by the shedding of blood 
on a cross. It is a guarantee that has cost far too much for it to ever be broken. See, we are sinners that needed saving. Every one of us, we are sinners that needed saving. God decreed that he would put a plan into effect to save us. The plan required that his son would come to be born into this world. His plan required that his son would have to go to Calvary and to die. His plan required that the son would have to shed his precious blood. But why would the son have to shed his precious blood? It's because the shed blood, the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary, would be the agreement that all who come to Calvary will be saved. Not might be saved, but will be saved. Remember back in Exodus when God was going to deliver the children uh, of Israel from Egypt? And remember how their deliverance was going to come about. How were they going to be safe? How were they going to be saved from the angel of death who was going to come and to destroy the firstborn of every Egyptian household? Well, it was going to be through the means of shed blood. Shed blood. Which when applied upon the doorposts and the lintels of each Israelite household would be the guarantee the agreement that God would make with them that when I see the blood, I will pass over you. God didn't say to them, I might. I might. God says, when I see the blood, I will. See, God's word was his guarantee. And it was agreed. It was signed. It was ratified by the blood that was shed and applied over the doors. Jesus here in Luke 22, he tells his disciples while they're there gathered in the upper room, he says, the shedding of my blood, my blood poured out, will be the signature that confirms the agreement that the blood will do what God has promised it will do. In Isaiah 53 we read the prophecy that speaks of the one who would come as the suffering servant. The one who is to come as the saviour. And it says there in Isaiah 53 concerning this one who was to come. It says he poured out, he poured out his soul to death. Norman reminded us on Friday when we were in the Bible study that that word poured out in the Old Testament. It means gushed. He gushed out his soul to death. See, Jesus knew what he had come to do. He had come to sign. He had come to ratify with his blood the agreement that leads to salvation to all who would come to believe. Jesus kept his word. Jesus kept his word. For after supper with the disciples... He went from that room to the place of judgment and condemnation. And from there he went to Calvary. And there at Calvary he hung on the cross. And there while he hung on the cross he poured out his lifeblood. The cross was stained with his blood. The ground below was stained with his blood. Yes, stained with the precious blood of Jesus. And at the same time, 
as the blood stained the cross, as the blood stained the ground, it was the signature of God, a guarantee, an agreement was made that cannot be broken and never be broken. A new covenant between man and God mediated through Calvary, an agreement confirmed with his blood poured out as a sacrifice for who? For the world, yes, but for you and me. And it was written in red. So firstly, as we come to the time of communion, week after week as we come, let us remember that as we share in communion together, it is to remind us of the greatest agreement, the greatest agreement that has ever and will ever be made. God himself, who has been offended and insulted by our sin, hurt by the utter depravity of mankind, says this, I will agree this with you. I will redeem. I will reconcile. I will renew you. And I will guarantee the agreement through the shedding of precious blood, the blood of my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because Christ has done what he's done, and when we come to Calvary, God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Christ our Passover has come. The covenant has been made. The redemption is available. It is free. The price has been paid. The agreement has been signed. Come. If you don't know Jesus this morning, come. Come and receive God's offer of salvation. Come and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Yes, it is almost unwanted language in some parts of the church today. They don't want to talk about the blood. They don't want to speak about the blood. They don't want to sing about the blood. But I say to those who want to overlook the message of the cross and who want to overlook the preaching and the teaching and the singing of the blood of Jesus, without it, you would not and could not be saved. Because no blood, then there is no agreement. And if there is no agreement, then God does not have to offer you and me any hope of eternity. We would pass from this life to a place of eternal separation from God. But no, God loves us. And God loves us too much to let us go to hell. He wants to welcome us into his presence. He wants us to spend eternity in the eternal home that he is preparing. And the only way possible to be there, to get there, is because of the blood that has been shed and the agreement that has been signed. The song we sing sometimes says this, the price is paid. Come, let us enter into all that Jesus died to make our own. For every sin, more than enough he gave and brought our freedom from each guilty stain. Precious blood, precious blood. <coughs> song we've been singing recently, and I love the song, is Thank You, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood.